Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. Hey, everybody. This is Brian Smith, your host of Grief to Growth, back with another episode. And today I've got a fascinating guest with me. Her name is Ellen Wilton. I'm going to read Ellen's bio, and then we're just going to have a little uh, conversation. Uh, Ellen is an MA, an MT-BC. We'll find out what that is a board-certified music therapist, an energy healer, and she lives in San Diego, California. She has a master's in transpersonal counseling with an emphasis in music therapy from Naropa University in Boulder. She is trained in the body method of guided imagery and music, holotropic breathing, Reiki, and aroma release. She's also an instructor for online courses and presents CEUs for music therapists and counseling psychologists around the globe. Ellen's approach stems from a life-changing head injury and subsequent near-death experience, and this event gave Ellen firsthand knowledge of the immense web of love and support that is available to all of us at all times. Over the past 14 years, Ellen has developed an approach that combines transpersonal counseling, music therapy techniques, meditation, crystal singing bowls, journeying through essential oils, guided imagery, and intuition. Her goal is to help you use music imagery, music and imagery as a tool to connect with something greater, recognize your untapped potential, and discover how to lead an inspired, content, and harmonious life. So with that, I want to welcome Ellen. Hi, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Ellen, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you doing this. I know you said you have a little bit of a cold, but we're going we're gonna to soldier through this. I, so I really appreciate you uh, doing this with me today. Of course. So I've heard a little bit about your story, but before we get into your near-death experience, tell me about what your life was like before this happened. Well, I was a child, um, so uh, the interesting thing is I don't remember much from before my accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost most of my memory, um, but I was just a typical child. I liked to ride horses, and uh, my parents said I was very happy, and I loved music, and that's kind of what I know about myself. <laughs> and what age were you when you had your near-death experience? I was 12. You were 12 years old, okay. So, so tell me about the experience. Well... I used to ride horses and Mm -hmm. my parents said I loved horses and it was great. One day at a Western lesson, um, I went and the cinch slipped. It wasn't on tight enough. And the horse kicked me in the head when the saddle, first of all, the saddle kind of tilted to the side, they said, 
And then I held on for a while, fell off the horse, stepped on my stomach, and then reared up and kicked me in the temple. Mm. Um, I was in a coma for five days. And my parents were told that I was pretty deeply within the coma and that they should play music or, or old movies or something to try and stimulate my mind. So that's what they did. They did old home movies for a while and then, um, and then switched to something that actually eventually woke me up. So I'll tell you about that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but before I woke up, I was taken to another place and I did come out of the coma to music. Um, but I had this amazing and cathartic and beautiful near death experience before I woke up. So, okay. Powerful. So you're, so you're in this coma, your parents are playing music and home movies and, and videos and things to stimulate you. So what was going on with you though? So with me, I, I feel like I went from a state of nothingness to being completely taken into another realm. Right. So I, Mm. I, um, I found myself on a wooden raft first Mm. and it, that's not the white light that everybody sees, but I was on a wooden raft on mm-hmm. a pink kind of ethereal cloud looking space, right? So on one side I knew was heaven and the other side I knew to be hell, but I wasn't afraid. It wasn't like, or that's how, my, how I contextualize it in my mind. But on my left was a man, a bald, thin, younger man with long brown robes on. And in front of me was who I knew to be Jesus. and before they didn't speak much um they only communicated kind of through thoughts um so i felt very safe and protected and i met with them first and then all, i feel like i was taken to this other place full of light and color and music amazing music and and then what happened was really powerful i I first experienced this place as you would, like where you're in it and you see it and you feel it. But then I became love. I became love. Hmm. I, um, I felt the love surrounding me. I felt it like a blanket, like a weight on me. It was the most beautiful and profound experience of my entire life. But then after feeling it on the edges of me, I just became the love. I totally just melted into it. And I don't know how long I was there. Um, I don't know, I don't know anything about time or space or anything like what was happening, but then I was taken back to the raft and given a choice and I could either stay there or I could go back and live my life. And then Mm. we had the whole communication, this whole conversation after that, um, where a lot was revealed to me. So much was revealed to me. Um, and that's kind of where the heart of this experience comes from is the, is what I guess Jesus communicated to me. And there are some really cool kind of mm, synchronicities that happened as a result. I realized later that the man on my left who was protective was Buddha. Hmm. And I realized that when I went to a Buddhist university later, but the conversation on the raft is really um, my takeaway from the experience. Yeah. Okay, so they were both on the raft with you. Is it, so if I'm following this correctly, so you, you find yourself on the raft. They're both on the raft with you. Then you you find yourself in another place where you. It's interesting when I talk to people who had near death experiences. They they talk about feeling the love, and it sounds like it's not a feeling like we we get of love. You you actually kind of almost physically feel it, right? Yeah. 
It's an experience of love. It is, Hmm. you are love. You are connected and nothing matters. Remember, nothing that you worry about on this plane, nothing that you think about. Um, I remember receiving that message very early in the experience Mm -hmm. that so many of these things, they'll be revealed to us anyway, and they don't matter, right? They don't don't matter because all that matters is love Mm -hmm. and a few other things that kind of have come with me from that experience. But you become, you become that love. It transcends the experience of love on earth, mm-hmm. different kind of love, different kind of love, beautiful love. Beautiful. <laughs> so what were some of the things that communicated to you? you? You get some lessons from this also. Yeah, so much. I mean, I could have been there in eternity and I wouldn't even know. I mean, so much came out of it. First, I was shown the path of my family, which is really interesting. I was shown that um, it was okay if I stayed because I wanted to stay. I mean, mm-hmm. to be honest, I wanted to be in that place and, and, and felt like I could do so much from there. But mm-hmm. I also knew that living was a gift. Um, and before I decided, they showed me that my parents would be okay. Everyone would be fine. There was no wrong answer mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but they wouldn't, my dad and my brothers wouldn't actualize their purpose on earth in this life if Mm. i were to stay okay and that was a big part of my decision to come back right so but even bigger than that was that i felt this overwhelming sense of gratitude um the other messages were were very clear it's about connection and relationships with other people it's about making a difference it's about that we all have a purpose everyone here is here for a reason 100 percent, and it's a gift. It's a gift to be alive because that's when we learn and our souls can grow. Right. And that was a huge thing for me to bring back because that's how I live my life. Now, everything that I do has to match with my experience of what Hmm. I call heaven, right? Mm -hmm. Everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt, I felt overwhelmingly grateful that I was going to go back. And I remember telling them, through my thoughts and telling Jesus, I guess was the one I was communicating with mm-hmm. that I would, I would give thanks every night to be alive. Like I would, and I do that. I do that. And, and then I said, I want to heal people with music. Hmm. That's when I, that's when I went into the next phase of my near death experience, which is equally as powerful as being in heaven, I think. Okay. And that's when I went into the darkness again, but it was a, a warm darkness. It was a comforting. Mm-hmm. And I could see a staff of music in the distance, very far away. And every note was a different color, but I couldn't hear anything. Mm-hmm. It's like only one of my senses could work at a time, but I could see the notes moving along the staff. And then I just pulled that vision closer to me as much as I could. And then it went away. And I heard like a little pinprick of sound, like a little light, like a, like a period on the end of a sentence, but way, way, way down, right? On kind of to the right is how I describe it, like way, way tiny. Hmm. And I focused in on the sound, right? Like until it got louder and louder and louder, until it was so loud, it was just the only thing I could experience. Hmm. And then I opened my eyes, the sound shut off 
because again, I was like having one sense at a time and I was in the ICU and the nurses came over and there was music playing at my bedside in a, in a Disney movie that was predominantly music, right? So okay. music is what woke me up and it's why I came back and that's why I'm a music therapist now because it's all full circle. It has to come back to that. Everything in my life has to connect with that experience. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says, send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. So would you say maybe you're kind of uh, giving your life's purpose when you were having this experience? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. There's never been a question. I didn't know that there was a thing called music therapy. But when I came back, I knew that I was here to heal people with music. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I shy away from the word heal because we're taught not to use that word and that it's wrong to think that you can heal someone. But I remember very clearly, that's what I said. Like, that's what I communicated. That's what I wanted to do. And music is healing and it is powerful. And there was music in that place. I mean, it was very different than the music we have here, hmm. but it was part of the whole experience. The do you remember the music from that place? I would know it if I heard it, but I couldn't recreate it. Okay. Yeah. I was curious about that because I, I, most people that when they do describe the music there, they say they can't. And I know some people have tried to make some efforts um, mm-hmm. to recreate some of it. So I don't know if you heard any of that or not. If you're... I haven't. Okay. You know, I shied away from listening to other near-death experiences mm-hmm. for so long because I didn't share mine publicly until the, the video that you saw that was the first time I'd ever gotten out and, and shared it publicly because I didn't want people, people did tell me, well, you were in a coma. It was a dream, right? Right, right. But it's the most real experience I've ever had. I mean, every, you, it's still, I can still feel and recognize and see and hear all the things that I did then where my memory now is just, it's not good. But yeah. that, that's different. Yeah. Um, anyway. But. Well, most of us don't remember things from when we're 12 year old, you know, 12 years old quite that vividly. So. No, definitely not. And I don't remember anything before that like and you know as a head injury survivor there are usually lots of memory issues that come with that but when I woke up I was walking the next day they said that there was only one other person in the state of Texas that had lived through the same injury that I had at all had lived Hmm. I'm not not talking about the you know the horse kicking me but that injury there and where I was because I was uh flown to Waco and treated by some of the doctors that worked on JFK because they were kind of at the end of their practice. And so I started in one hospital in Hillsborough and they sent me to Waco and they said the other person who lived was also a, a teenage girl. She was 14 and she was in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. Wow. I felt so blessed that I could not only walk, but I could talk and they had very minimal, I had a little bit of stuff I had to work through, but mm-hmm. I'm just so thankful. It's so thankful. So, so you come back from this experience and did you share it with your parents right away or how did that go? 
Um, I shared it with my parents. My parents know my story. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the first people I shared it with was my youth minister. Like, um, but I didn't share it with many people. It felt sacred to me and I felt the need to protect it. Mm-hmm. And I did, there was only one other person I've ever met because you know how sometimes we share our stories and we meet other people for a reason. I mean, that's, that's the other thing is there are no accidents in life. That's another big lesson mm-hmm. that people are placed in our lives to teach us something and to, to take us to the next level. Right? So one time I was sitting with a woman who was doing our mortgage paperwork or something. And I told her my story. I don't know why. And she said that her son had a very similar story of being on a wooden raft. And I could not believe it. And that's the only person I've ever met that didn't, that had a similar story. I always hear about the white light in the tunnel. Yeah. Um, but well, kind of- in my experience with near-death experiencers is um, the events are, they're unique. They, yeah. they seem to be tailored to the person and there are some common elements like the white light and the tunnel. And I think people that, that may just be starting to discover this think, well, everybody goes through a tunnel and everybody sees the white light, but that's definitely not true. Mm -hmm. Some people never see the white light. So so there are these, again, these are common elements, but they're not universal. Right. I think what is universal are the messages that you come back with. Yeah. That overwhelming sense of gratitude, like gratitude that's so immense and powerful that you can actually feel the expansion of your heart. Like Mm -hmm. the gratitude where every single thing that happens, no matter how bad it may seem, you can find the grit, you can find that nugget of appreciation in it. Um, The knowing that life is, is not, it it can be short. We live each day like it's our last, right? Mm -hmm. And love fully and connect fully. And never find any reason to not step into your path and your journey, right? Um, That whole no accident thing and the fact that we're protected and guided and we have love around us at all times. The the whole feeling of bringing light into whatever you do, that's huge for me. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some pretty, pretty powerful lessons. So how do we, how do we relate that to people or people who are in grief? How do we take those lessons and relate those to our grief? So grief is hard. I mean, it's hard to think about, you know, how can I be thankful for something when I'm grieving, when I've had this huge loss. But if you flip it on its head and ask yourself, what are the powerful transcendent messages and feelings and experiences, right, in that loss that you can take to propel you forward? And how can you use it to further your own journey or to maybe see the power that you hold in your life, right? And that your life is valuable and you have the time, right? And I think the other piece of this is that the other side is not a bad place. It's a beautiful place. It is, it, it is not like we're, I don't feel like we're done. I don't feel like we're done when we move on. I feel like we transcend this life. Mm-hmm. And it, So when people pass in my life, of course, I miss them, you know, seeing them in, in the real world, right next to me or whatever, but I know they're doing more from another place and they're happy and it's beautiful. And when you're there, you're whole, you're completely at peace and whole. 
and somehow there's comfort in that, mm-hmm. you know, and that I think if, if everyone understood that, that beauty and that love, they would, they would feel differently about, you know, the physical loss of someone. Yeah. Did you see any loved ones, loved ones when you were on the other side or just uh, Jesus and Buddha? Just Jesus and Buddha. When I went to what I call heaven, I had a sense that there were others with me, Mm -hmm. but I didn't see their physical body. For me, it was more of a feeling. It was more of an experience, right? So I knew that they were there, um, but I didn't know who they were. Um, But I, I did know Jesus because I grew up that's the context and spirituality that I grew up in, mm-hmm. right? So I knew Jesus, but I didn't know Buddha because I reckon I would recognize like the larger big belly Buddha, right? Right. But until I went to Naropa and learned about um, Buddha and his teachings, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that's that visual of him, right? Until I saw a picture. I saw a picture in Naropa when I was there. Oh, really? And, yeah, a painting. And it was a young Buddha in brown robes. And I thought, oh, very, that's him. Yeah, full circle. Yeah. And I learned so much. So much. Because that was the other thing. Oh, yeah, the whole spirituality thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up believing one thing. I mean, my family, I don't remember it, obviously, but I came out of this experience believing that's all love. It's, mm-hmm. it's all love by a different name. There's no right or wrong. Um, and that's just what I came away with. I mean, I don't know if that's true of everyone, but so for me, I know that to love and accept and embrace everyone, mm-hmm. everyone, no matter what they believe or think, or, you know, it just doesn't even matter. So were you raised, uh, you were Christian, but what, what, uh, Catholic or Baptist no, or Methodist. Methodist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you don't, you said you, uh, and, again, reiterate, you don't have any memories of what happened before this. So you didn't remember what you had been taught about your faith or anything. Is that right? Okay. No, when I woke up though, I didn't really know who people were. Um, and I was very, I became very good at pretending. Very oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, because I would, I would get a sense of their energy. Real, I would know that I loved them, but I wouldn't know necessarily who they were. So, um, and that was interesting in my recovery in a lot of ways, I had to become a very good pretender, just nod and smile when people were talking about things that I did not know what it meant. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I kind of got the, the label of being a little ditzy, right? Because people could probably tell I was not cluing in <laughs> to what people were talking about. But um, it took a few years for me to kind of get back into like understanding language and kind of uh, the meaning behind things and like relearning things that I didn't know that everybody else seemed to know. So, but you, when you came back, you still had all your cognitive skills, right? You could still speak and read yeah, well, and. Yeah, I had um, a few words mixed up. So the language, <laughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm language was probably the one area that I really needed. What's, what's fascinating though, is I still could play piano. Oh, you could. Flute. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, I relearned some fingerings wrong because I was a performance major in undergrad before I went to, you know, music therapy. Um, 
And my teacher was like, I don't know where you learned to play an E that way, but it sounds about right. And, you know, and I had accomplished it and mastered it with these alternate fingering that apparently I had just made up because I didn't really know them back. And I was trying to fake it till I make it kind of thing. Hmm, okay. So I threw myself into music to recover, really. Was, okay. that, that's where I really bring in my messages now when I work with people. It's through um, music programs of classical music and then playing the crystal bowls and then doing imagery on top of them. When the angels kind of came back with me, I do have beings of light that support my work and give me insight and messages when I'm working with people. And that has been profound. Hmm. It's just, they're always with me and they, they support what I'm doing. And I feel so lucky that I can tap into that still, you know, that's kind of cool. So yeah. Tell me how, how does that work? How do you experience these beings of light? So before they would give me messages or I would see visions and they still do that sometimes. And they're always Mm -hmm. kind of different. Um, But more recently in the past year or so, they've been coming in formation to me. So they would, I'll have a a circle, right? And I'll have the bowls and people will be experiencing what they experience with the music. Mm -hmm. And I'll see like angels behind people. Right. And that will be one formation. And another formation is they'll show up in rows. Like um, they'll stand really stoic and they're holding something and they have kind of a, a red sash on and they just stand rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of angels just hmm. as far as goes back, but they don't move and they don't come in. The ones around people, they move. And then, um, and sometimes more recently I was doing a meditation and then there was kind of concentric circles of angels like half circles and then there were three standing in front of me and I received a vision um, in the meditation about how um, the divine masculine and divine feminine are starting to work together now and that Mm -hmm. they've come together to support each other instead of being like one or the other Mm -hmm. Um, and that was that's been really powerful and sometimes I see visions and sometimes people's loved ones will come through to me um, but you know, it's always different. And usually there's music involved. It's Hmm. when music is playing is when I can bring in that kind of energy. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. Wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. So, um, so obviously you're still getting messages. You're still working with these beings of light from the other side and they're participating in, in your work. So tell me about your, your uh, master's in transpersonal counseling with an emphasis in music therapy. Yeah. So, um, the transpersonal counseling degree is 
similar to humanistic if, or experiential, if you're kind of uh, familiar with the different branches of psychology, it brings in the spiritual element. And it just recognizes that we are all spiritual beings, right? Living in a human existence. And it acknowledges and recognizes that within a session, most counseling or therapeutic you know, modalities will not bring in people's spiritual background. Right. This not only brings it in, but we incorporate different alternative modalities like imagery, breath work, Reiki, um, that actually invite in the spiritual shifts. Hmm. Uh, so that's that's my master's, and it was offered through you know Naropa University, which was founded as a Buddhist Buddhist university, and we learned first to you know have some self care by meditating regularly every mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. and having meditation instruction. So it really kind of embraces the whole person rather than just a behavioral issue or, you know, a, par a parental dis or dysfunctional family. It's right. more who you are, what you connect with, and then helping you connect with that. Yeah, I think that's very important. I think one of the issues that we have in our, in our culture is we've, we've forgotten who we are. And if we start from the point of not knowing who we are and we're trying to help people with their issues, we're, we're starting from my belief, a faulty foundation. And so traditional, as you said, traditional psychology and, and psychiatry and traditional medicine, we, we, you, it's, you can't fix the whole person when you're missing what a person actually is, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's it right there. That's it. And this is just a new way. You're really missing the mark if you're not looking at the whole person and if you're not first caring for yourself and coming from that place of connection on your own. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, we, we call it a new way, but it's really an old way. It's, it's really, it's really yeah. the ancient way. And, and the more I, you know, more I look at this stuff, the more I'm like, we've just forgotten. You know, we've forgotten yeah. that, you know, traditional medicine, back when it was traditional medicine, when it was treating the whole person as a spirit, we, yeah. we, we, we kind of forgot, like I said, who we are. And now we're, we're going, I think we're going back to the old ways. Coming back to it. Yeah, that's so true. And I think there's something to, to say for remembering source. I think that we forget source as well, unless you have a spiritually transformative experience, right? Or near death experience. We maybe you might not have that framework in which to look at your life in the world. Um, I think children can bring us into those memories of who we are and where we come from. But I think that we have opportunities to remember, remember, right? And so these transpersonal experiences can help you remember. Mm -hmm. Just a deep imagery process with, with music and guidance, right, can help you connect to source in a way that may change your life, right? It may yeah. remind you of, why you're here or, or of the, the love supporting you. And that's huge with grief, right? Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't want to feel isolated or alone, but if you recognize that you're always surrounded by love, always surrounded by light. And if you close your eyes and meditate and call in the light, right? No matter what your belief is, you can find some comfort and it does feel like you're connecting somehow to that person that you've lost through the light because we're all connected through that. 
Yeah. I think I heard you mention earlier, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you said there are no accidents. Is that something that you learned on the other side? Absolutely. No accidents at all. Yeah. And, you know, it's so hard to remember that in our day-to-day. Yeah. And we always think, you know, something's happening to me. But you can always ask, well, what if this is something, what if I acted as if I chose for this to happen? And not like you're choosing bad things to happen to you, but after they've happened, if you say, if I had chosen for this to happen, what would the message be? Yeah. Right? And I'm going through that with my own life right now with a divorce that was unexpected. Mm-hmm. And so I asked myself, what if I had chosen this for myself? And how could I live my life as if I had chosen it so that it becomes a framework in which I can help other people and I can grow personally rather than being caught in the devastation of my life not being what I thought it would be, right? Yeah, I, I really like the way you put that, Ellen, because um, I work with a lot of parents who've lost children, uh, whose children, I, I hate that phrase lost because they're not lost, but our children have transitioned. And so when we talk to them about there are no accidents, and I hear you talk about gratitude and how important gratitude is, and the, the reaction is, how can I be grateful for this? How can I be grateful for the worst thing that could possibly have ever happened to me? And how could I possibly plan this? How could, and, and if God planned it, then why is he punishing me? You know, and I think about that a lot, especially around my friend, Tawny, who just lost her seven-year-old son. Mm-hmm. And she's been coming to my workshops. And I remember we were doing a workshop on gratitude. And that's the one she wanted to come to. And I thought, wow, it just happens to me that she's coming to a gratitude workshop. And how can I support her? Because I was thinking just that. But what I've seen from her has really shifted my my mentality. So mm-hmm. rather than saying we're grateful that something happened, right? It's we're grateful that they were here and that we had that time. And I've seen her shift from, I mean, she's devastated, obviously. It's there's no, there are no words, right? It's just no words. But lately she's been saying she's trying to make a conscious effort to connect with what she had mm-hmm. so that she can make a difference for others. So they've taken his memory, Gavin, and they've created um, Gavin's Superheroes, which is a fundraising to bring awareness to what happened to her son and so that it might not happen to other children. And Mm -hmm. to share, because that was his dream, to be a superhero. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to use this idea of what he wanted for his life and give gratitude that he brought that energy brought his energy into the world for the time that he was here Mm -hmm. and then find a way to help others through his through his memory and i'm not saying you can be grateful i mean of course it's it's hard when something happens but they're still with us and that short time that we had you know maybe remembering that Mm -hmm. attitude it's hard it's not easy yeah find it it's a let it's it's a practice it is it's a practice absolutely and i like the way you put that when you talked about it because i think it's a very general approach it's like what if i plan this we don't people don't have to have this belief but try it what 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 what, because the thing that's happened has happened so we have a choice as to how we look at it 
So we can look at it as, you know, maybe I plan this and if I did, then, then what is, or we could look at it and say, you know, I'm a victim um, of a, of a cold universe or, or a mean God. So it's a choice that we have. Um, one thing I would just add to what you said in, in terms of being grateful for the time that we had with them. Uh, I work with an organization called Helping Parents Heal, and we're very much into what I call the continuation of life, uh, you know, model of grief. So my daughter who passed uh, 15, you know, in, in 2015, she's still here with me. And, you know, she had a huge impact while she was here, but she actually continues to have an impact. And I'm really grateful for that. So uh, I do, as you said, definitely miss the physical, would do anything to, to have her back. Yeah. But meanwhile, you know, my life goes on. And as you said, I believe what you what your lesson is, we have a purpose for being here. You know, yeah. so we can th- say, what's my purpose for being here? And what do I do from here? Yeah. And focus on your purpose and your journey. Yeah. So tell I me thought- about your, your, your music therapy. I'm, I'm really intrigued by that. Um, I've, I'm a person. I, I've always loved music. Music is a huge part of my life. Um, I do uh, meditation and I, I listen to a lot of music when I do meditation. So I do a lot of guided things. So, um, Ellen, I was asking you about your, your therapy. I'm really intrigued by it because I've, I, I, music is a huge part of my life. I, I, I love music. I, I, there's a new show, what's it called? Zoe's Incredible Playlist or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, that's my life. I mean, I, I go through life and I'll, be, I'll, I'll hear something and the music starts playing in my head. <laughs> And, yeah. uh, and I do, I, I do meditation. So tell me about the, the work that you do. Cause it, you incorporate a lot of really interesting things, sound therapy and music and aromatherapy. So tell me how oh, that yeah. works. Oh, I love it. And my practice has really developed and changed over the past, um, 20 years. I guess I went to grad school. I got my degree about 19 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started with you know traditional music therapy, but then I realized I wasn't connecting to my purpose in doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I experienced the Bonnie method of guided imagery and music the first time, it was the closest that I had ever been to my near-death experience. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that there was so much power and connection in that practice, I knew that I wanted to do it. Okay. So. That's a big part of my, of my practice is, is these music programs around different concepts like transition, grief, joy, relationships, um, everything from, uh, you know, peak, peak experiences, past life. Um, and the music programs were created based on research that came out of Stanis Groff's work um, back in the 60s where he was actually using LSD in some mm-hmm. studies, but mm-hmm. they found that music can actually um, stimulate the brain in the same areas that LSD can. So you can have these really powerful cathartic imagery experiences in through music, but you need to go through a very kind of deep process of first moving into the body, uh, deeply into a state of relaxation, and then the music becomes the guide in which you travel through your unconscious mind. Wow. So you set an intention. So my work, um, then I brought in crystal singing bowls. When I experienced them, I guess like 10 years ago for the first time, I had a cathartic experience where the person who was leading the group 
started singing a song. Um, well, first of all, he started doing a Native American chant, which took mm -hmm. me into a past life, right? Mm -hmm. And I saw this vision of uh, a huge, ama amazing vision. But then he started, um, we all had our eyes closed. He was singing the bringing the bulls. He started singing a more popular song. And I found out later that my friend that I went with to this experience, that was her song with her brother who had passed away the month before. Wow. So it was just so powerfully cathartic. I said, I have to bring that into my session. So now I have a very unique framework. I, I don't think anybody else is doing this where I use the crystal bowls to move people into that state of their body and somatic experiencing, getting into the body, um, really feeling the vibration, calling in the light, calling in the color, then right into the music. And the music will help them travel and understand what they need to know for themselves. Because I'm not the person who's gonna tell you what to do in your life, you are. You just need to tap into it, right? So, um, and then when I brought in Young Living Essential Oils, which are the highest frequency substance oils mm -hmm. on the planet, right? I started noticing that people were traveling more quickly. So what oh, really? they take four weeks was happening in the first session, right? And the first time I gave someone Angelica for their, I just put it on my hands, actually. Um, the first week I put Angelica on my hands to ring the bowls. And something about the frequencies worked with the bowls and people started having these amazing, like 10 out of 11 saw angels, right? Wow. <laughs> I mean, and not just saw them. There were angel, like little angel lights all over the room that I was working in. And then wow. people were like transported up and given messages in the wings of angels, right? So, yeah. So I just brought those in right away. I was like, that has to be part of the session now. And, um, and then Reiki, and mm -hmm. when I can do breath work, I'll bring that in as well. We've done all of it. It's just whatever modality can enhance our connection to source. My job is to use music first and foremost, right? To connect people with heaven. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I do. And that's the Bonnie method of guided imagery and music. So that's B-O-N-N-Y. And can I find out more about that on your website or? Um, yeah, or you can look up, you know, Bonnie method of guided imagery. And it talks about um, this woman who was a musician who had a spiritually transformative experience when playing the, um, the violin. And mm -hmm. she created this practice. And it is amazing. It's, this is all energy. We're working with energy. We're working with frequency. And music is just organized sound, right? So any sound, you know, can be created and made into music. My mm -hmm. bowl, I'm making a, um, I do the first, third, fifth, and then major seventh in the bowl. So like, right? So I try to keep it, mm -hmm. C, you know, D, F sharp, A, right? Yeah, yeah. And then C sharp. Um. And then that's a harmonious bowl experience. And sometimes you put the bowls next to each other and they're like a, they're one step apart. And that's kind of binaural beats where you feel the dissonance in your body. And that's good too. So it's working with the frequency of the bowls and the sound, working with the structure of the music so your mind can really go and, and really tap into what you need to know. And then using the frequency of the oils to enhance it all. And wow. And then you can use the oils. You can't take bowls everywhere you go, but you can use the oils in the palm of your hand 
um, every day with an affirmation. And there's a technique kind of similar to EMDR, I guess, where you do affirmation daily that puts you in a practice of positive psychology and you're pairing it with an essential oil that can move through the neuron into the amygdala. And mm -hmm. that's really powerful because then you're making changes on a physical level and you're pairing your, your, your mind, your intention with your body and you're moving out of fight or flight, right? So you're moving into relaxation because that's what, that's what these oils can do. Not all oils can move through the neuron like this. Hmm. Only kind of the medical grade, but, um, but yeah. And the higher frequency, the better. So the spruces, right. Northern lights, it's grown under the Northern lights, like 700 megahertz. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's just a way of continuing the practice. Yeah. <laughs> so this sounds just like amazing. So I can find out more about this on your website, I assume. Uh, and that's wellnessmusictherapy.com. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm available. If anyone has questions, they can email me. It's okay. Ellen at wellnessmusictherapy.com. Um, All right. And I have a group for practitioners, which is the other side of my business where I train other therapists and music therapists, how to use, um, essential oils right in their practice for limbic support so, so the mm -hmm. science i've got this whole science side of me too yeah and that um so i it's called there's a facebook group called music therapy and essential oils um and you just have to put a note in there where you where you heard about me okay so that you know you know that i'll let you in otherwise it's just for healthcare practitioners but okay so these are for people that want to be a practitioner and use music therapy along with essential oils. And that was music therapy and essential oils on yeah. Facebook. Okay. Yeah. And we also have doctors and nurses in there that aren't using music, um, but they're interested in the oils. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So um, I know you have a TV show also. I want to talk about that lessons from the other side on the awake TV network. Yes. Um, every Thursday right now at 10 AM live, you can see me on awake TV. Okay. And the um, episodes are usually free for the first 24 hours. And then after that, you have to pay to see them. But I have guided imagery, meditation, manifestation, um, imagery experiences, usually with music, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes with the oils. And I'll tell you which oils you can use to enhance your intentions. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also share each week a different message that I received when I was on the raft. You know, oh, wow. So. That's got kind of, it's called lessons from the other side. Mm -hmm. You can look for my name on that website. Okay. So is that, uh, what's the website? Is it awake tv.com? It is. It is awake tv.com. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to uh, definitely have people look for that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it sounds like, you know, it's, it's really interesting talking to you, how you, know, you had this experience and you kind of came back with your life, not kind of, you came back with your life's purpose and, and now you're living it out. Yes. Totally. And, and what's amazing about that, and I think this is true for, for all of us, but it's definitely true for me, is that when I know I'm on the right path, things tend to just open up and they work. Mm -hmm. And when I'm not, they don't. So I know when to change, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and ever since I've started kind of moving in more deeply into my own spiritual path, it started in March. I'm asking myself questions every day. Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? Those questions I use with oils, obviously, because I want to anchor them. So 
On my feet, I put valor. Where would you have me go? Joy on my heart. What would you have me do? Um, harmony. What would you have me say? Mm-hmm. And then divine release to whom? And ever since that, um, things have been magical. <laughs> things have really? been opening. Opportunities have been opening up and I've been guided very differently. And uh, a woman who's really meaning, amazing for me, and you know her as well, um, she came up to me at a near-death experience conference um, a few months ago, mm-hmm. and she gave me something and said, without knowing at all about the formations I was telling you about, I told you that the angels are coming in formation and I don't know what they mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I just see them differently. She handed me something and said, these are going to tell you what the angels are trying to show you. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 And so with her support, I've been learning more and opening myself more to receiving um, what I'm supposed to know moving forward. And it's been very powerful. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. You know, it's, it's um, for me, I'm trying to learn that lesson, you know, how to be more open to my intuition and to, and to, you know, like you said, ask what would, what, do, what should I do today? What, what, what do you want me to do today? To whether you think it's the source or God or higher self or whoever it is we're asking to, but there's looking for that guidance and then following it and just seeing where it leads. Um, and, and knowing that everything is going to be okay, gives us uh, more permission or, you know, more freedom, I guess, to take those chances and to look for those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're always guided, right? And even if you don't know or believe in a higher source, all you have to believe in is your own higher source, like your your higher self, right? So just connecting with that to move into wherever you need to go. And when I'm lost and I don't know what to do or I'm confused, I just call in the light and I just sit and I breathe my oils and I listen to music Mm -hmm. and I I imagine the light moving through me and cleansing and clearing. Right. And then I ask those questions. I don't know what to do. Where would you have me go? What would you have to do? What would you have me say and to whom? And it always reveals itself. So good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting. I just interviewed someone recently and we were talking about, you know, similar things and what it always comes back to with people. It's, it's really a practice. And I think a lot of people are scared of that word because they're like, what does that mean? Do I have to meditate an hour a day? I can't do that. I don't have time for that. I don't have the concentration for that. So what would you say to those people? I would say that even for me, I can't always dedicate an hour to meditate. And yeah, I do have some really powerful experiences. I have to schedule them, you know, like mm-hmm. I want to be the, the bull. So I'll make sure that I schedule that I'm giving, I'm doing the bull work for other people. And I use that for myself. Right. But as for this practice, the questions, they take five seconds, five seconds for the oils before you get out of your bed. What three things are you grateful for that you have right. a good night's sleep? Mm-hmm. That you like your comfortable mattress. It doesn't have to be anything you know, really huge. Just is that mm-hmm. practice of something, some anything. Gratitude, the question before you go to sleep. I mean, I do this sometimes. I didn't get a chance to meditate. I'll call in the light and imagine it as I go to sleep and listen to music. And then I sometimes just go right to sleep from there. But but yeah. I'm at least giving it some time and space, right? Right. Or 
Um, what I'm seeing more and more as I practice this more is being able to find your inner source, your higher self within in every moment, you know, and just the more you practice, the more you'll get glimpses in the day where you're like, oh, I can call in my higher self. I can feel that flame within me, that light that I hold in my heart, right? I can feel it expand um, anywhere, even when you're driving, right? It's like, however you can connect to your higher self or to source or whatever, that's all you need. It doesn't have to be like three hour meditation sessions, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point that you just made there. As we start to just make these little changes every once in a while and, and take time for ourselves, you know, because we can find time for everything else. Um, everybody's got a few minutes when you wake up in the morning or yeah. a few minutes when you get in bed, at, get in bed at night to yeah. do something like this, to, to ask these questions and to practice gratitude. And that's actually a practice that I started uh, probably within the last year or so. Oh, like yeah. every morning before I get out of bed, I'm like, okay, what are three things I'm grateful for? And sometimes it's just, I'm really happy to be in my bed because it's nice and warm. Yes, so simple. Yeah. And um, one practice they had us do at Naropa, we had lots of little meditation practices, um, was washing dishes in a contemplative way. So they would say, you know, as you're washing the dishes, make it a practice. You feel the water in your hands. You know, you're, you're slowly kind of connecting and experiencing. So it doesn't have to be, it's, it's kind of like, oh, there's a book. It was called the Finding the Magic in the Mundane, right? Mm -hmm. So even in our most mundane tasks or some kind of lesson that, or annoyance or something that keeps coming on over and over again is how can you ask yourself, well, what's the lesson in this? Or how can I make it into a practice of gratitude or a practice of meditation, right? Yeah. So, it's and this hard. can be things that go well, or maybe sometimes even when things aren't going well, you know, what's, exactly. what's the lesson in this, how, and, and look at how you react to that, to that event. Um, just, just noticing, you know, how am I reacting to this? Why am I reacting to it this way? Yes. Because there's usually a lesson. <clears throat> if we have a strong reaction to something, <clears throat> it's usually about us, right? Yeah. It's something that we need to learn and that we need to connect with. There's a message there. And so really diving in and asking, okay, what is it that I need to know from this? What do I need to learn before I move on? Because honestly, those lessons, they just keep coming back. And that's another big message that I got from the other side is that we will keep learning the same lesson until we actually get it, yeah. right? Yeah. We'll, get it. we'll get that lesson louder and louder and louder because it's part of our karmic or our pathway or our spiritual journey or whatever we're supposed to learn here. Well, I think it's kind of part of our plan, right? So if we came here to learn something, if we if we do have a plan and we came here to learn something and we don't get it the first time, we're you know, and again, you can look at it, source is sending it to you, or you're sending it to yourself. You know, you you're saying, Okay, didn't quite get that. Let me let me take another shot at it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Those things, those things that keep us connected, right? Yeah. Well, Ellen, uh, it's been a, a real pleasure meeting you. Before I let you go, I'd like for you to just tell our listeners where they can where they can reach you. Well, I'm I'm easiest to reach on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to find me there, it's mm -hmm. Ellen Wilson. But uh, music therapy and essential oils is where I really kind of teach about frequency and especially plant based and natural frequencies. Mm -hmm. uh, I have music therapy and essential oils on Instagram. I have a website, wellnessmusictherapy.com. Mm -hmm. 
and um, I have a practice here in San Diego, North County, San Diego, but I do travel around the world for different conferences and things. So I do, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll be going to, see I'm going down to San Antonio in a couple of weeks, and I was on the East Coast a little while ago, so sometimes I'll travel with my bowls, and um, sometimes I'll travel with the oils and teach people, so so I'm all around and I'm here if anyone has questions and I'm just so grateful that I got to meet with you today. And Yeah. And well, for, for those listening, I want to spell your last name. It's W-H-E-A-L-T-O-N. And I'm going to put everything in the show notes so people can find your, your websites and stuff in the show notes. But for anybody just listening, it's Ellen, E-L-L-E-N, and her last name is W-H-E-A-L-T-O-N. Yeah. So Ellen, I really appreciate you soldiering through on this. I know it was it was kind of hard to get through with the with the cold, um, but you did a great job. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I just it was great. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, great meeting you too. And uh, we'll have to give a shout out to Lilia for connecting yes. us. Um, she's she's amazing. She's a force. So um, hopefully she she'll amazing. She is. Yeah. yeah. Ellen, have a great rest of your day. Okay. You too. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to make it really easy for you to reach me. So just send me a text to 31996 and simply text the word growth, G-R-O-W-T-H. In fact, you can right now just say, hey, Siri, send a message to 31996. And when Siri asks you what you want to send, just say growth. You can do the same thing with OK Google. Thanks a lot. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Grief to Growth. Brian hopes that you find this episode helpful and will come back for future episodes. Brian's best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted Not Buried, is a great resource for anyone who is coping with grief or knows someone who is. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, there are three things you can do to help. The first is to share the podcast with someone that you think it will help. The second is to go to iTunes, rate, and review the episode. The third way you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron. Head over to www.patreon.com slash grief to growth. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash grief, the number two, growth, and sign up to make a small monthly donation. Patrons get access to exclusive bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and grief to growth, visit www.grief2growth.com. Hey there, if you liked this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grief2growth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.